And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Chris Thomas. And I'm Ryan Oliver. How are you doing this evening, afternoon? No, evening for you, for you, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yes, it is. It is. It is tipped it, tipped its way into evening. Uh, I'm here. struggling <laughs> with time zone conversions, obviously, but I'm I'm doing okay. Other other than that, um, I I guess uh, to sort of start the tone for the episode, I just wanted to start with a paraphrasing of Lloyd Bridges from Airplane. Uh, I think I chose the wrong week to stop drinking because um, this week we did shot on video straight to video release horror movies, uh, which is much more your wheelhouse than mine. Uh, it is. And uh, I have to, you know, push my glasses up against my nose for a second and say that, yes, these are all shot on video. But one of these played in theaters and was blown up to 35 millimeter uh and uh, so yes we, we will we will get into that and we will get into inexplicably that sooner than than later for sure uh well i mean that movie did come out the year that uh that vhs tapes were invented so i'm sure it mm. snuck in under the radar to get a theatrical release and then the rest of this is like nope you're going <laughs> straight <laughs> Straight, once. <laughs> straight to VHS. Um, but yes, today we're going to be diving into the the weird world of shot on video horror, which is a, a, a sub-genre, a sub-sub-genre probably, um, that really has always fascinated me, and I, and I really, I, I adore it, and I adore it for like a couple levels. Like number one, um, you feel like you're watching, no matter how artistic and interesting and creative somebody gets with the subgenre, it always feels like you're watching somebody's home movies, which therefore mm. has a sense of accidental sense of like voyeurism and perverseness because you're like, I shouldn't be watching this, sure. uh, but like, but I am watching it and I'm, I'm transfixed by it. It's, it's really strange. Um, but I also sort of love it on the level of like, you know, these were you there's a lot of big ideas with these movies as well, where it's like they may not have the means to execute them, but it's like they had a vision and they they did it by the means that they could, which, of course, shooting on video is much cheaper than buying film cameras and film uh, reels. I mean, most like like so many horror movies that we love that are shot on film that are super low budget i mean you hear stories about like they bought like discount film ends because it was much cheaper to do that than it was to buy entire reels or they shot on 60 millimeter or 8 millimeter in some cases um so like there there's a cheapness to these movies of course because it's early days of digital film film but like there's still a lot of ingenuity i think in a lot of vision and then that brings me to my sort of third point of why I love shot on videos is just like as a lover of film history, it's like this was the start to where we're at now. Like mm -hmm. where we like now it's like you can buy cinema grade cameras 
uh, and prime lenses at like an affordable cost. Um, and so it's like you see movies being made uh, now with like super low budgets, but they are able to keep budgets even lower because they either, you know, whether it was they rented the camera or they bought it outright, but either way, like it's so much affordable now. And the start of what we see now of what people can do with digital started with dirty, trashy, straight to video horror movies because it was this one, you know, like it was the one subgenre that like uh, or genre film that they decided like that was okay to do. Like you didn't see like prestige dramas like doing this sure. like nobody was shooting kramer versus kramer on straight to video you know or on on uh, vhs right like right. it's like you know it was like horror movies was the one who decided to do it and of course mm-hmm. horror always there at the forefront of pushing the medium forward even though it may not always get the credit to so um right you know it it's so there's a lot of interesting history behind like shot on video but i i'm always fascinated by it even if the movies themselves are not great there's there's something that i find really fascinating about it well i think there's also a point to be made about distribution opportunities that were going on in the days of vhs versus what we have now with the internet is that uh, to your same point about how you know the same movement going on then is the same movement we're going on now but back then you would shoot something on vhs and then you would copy that VHS over and then go make your own labeled box and leave it at a VHS store and be like, somebody's going to watch it and they'll rip it. And then they'll show it to a friend and they'll show it to a friend. And they'll show it to a friend. And there's plenty of movies that traveled around like that by word of mouth of people lending copies of movies that they made from something that they ripped from a VHS tape. Whereas now people can put it up on YouTube or Vimeo or, or any number of landing pages. And that's that same grassroots movement. So... It never went away. It just evolved. So I can respect it from from that standpoint. Respecting the movies, though, I think that's going to be the crux of the conversation. <laughs> I think so for sure. And even even what you just described, like yes, that did happen. You also just described a plot of 1987's Video Violence, which was another oh, shot on well. video movies. So, um, which is a movie I definitely probably would have picked for the good had it been more widely accessible. Uh, unfortunately, okay. it is only on a Blu-ray via terror vision which i wasn't going to make you spend uh money also probably wouldn't have got here in time so um so i just spent money on another movie that i bought you i think for christmas so i just <laughs> oh, finally no. got you to watch it um uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah so i guess without further ado let me just introduce the the movies um and also if you want a great primer to to um shot on video horror i do want to just shout out really quick um bleeding skull who is the co uh, distributor of our first movie we're going to discuss along with the American genre film archive has a great like top 50 shot on video horror movies list. Um, and I'll probably link to that in the show notes. Um, and then there was a great little podcast that I don't think they are existed anymore, but it was the SOV podcast. Mm. Um, and so um, one of the co-hosts was uh, Brad Henderson who now works at vinegar syndrome. So uh, if you definitely want uh, to hear some knowledgeable people talk about the genre more so than me, I would point you in that direction, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. We might dispute some stuff, but it's going to be interesting. So without further ado, for the good, I have chosen the OG uh, shot on video horror movie, Boarding House from 1982, (laughs) directed by John Wintergate. For the bad, I have chosen Sledgehammer from 1983, directed by David A. Pryor, R.I.P. And for the what, I have chosen The Burning Moon from 1992, directed by Olaf Ittenbach. Um... And I should also preface, too, these movies are pretty accessible as far as the this weird, obscure uh, subgenre concerned. 
Um, both our Sledgehammer and The Burning Moon are available on DVD courtesy of Intervision, and they're also on a couple streaming platforms. We'll get there when we get there. Uh, but we're going to start with Boarding House, which got a Blu-ray release late last year courtesy of the American Genre Film Archive, or AGFA, and Bleeding Skull. Boarding House. On September 18, 1972, the Hoffman House was closed due to several mysterious deaths. On September 18, 1982, the house was reopened as a boarding house. And the body count continues. I wonder who will be next to check out of the boarding house. Where the rent won't kill you, but something else will. Boarding house rated R. No one under 17 admitted without parent or guardian in horror vision. Uh, I got Chris it for Christmas and it's been sitting on a shelf just waiting, just waiting to hit that Blu-ray player. Um, And so because I've waited patiently for you to watch this movie, I should ask you first, what did you think about Boarding House? Okay, so first off, the... I it, it waited on my shelf because I was going to go throw it in one day, but then I read the back of the box and it said something about it being a porno, and so I put it back on the shelf because the I moved my my Blu-ray my my PlayStation Five and my big TV and my home theater system is out in our plant room, which is like one wall is just nothing but huge floor-to-ceiling windows, and we do have neighbors, so I was just like, I don't really feel like throwing this on right now if it's a porno uh, and dealing with the flack from that. Uh, I, I mean, after having now watched it, I realize I've definitely watched movies that have more nudity and are more sexually explicit than this movie. So I guess those fears were unfounded. <laughs> You're blowing it out of proportion just a smidge. Yeah. I think it said like a Playboy video or a Playboy uh, like model shoot. I'm, meets... I'm grabbing it. Okay. I'm grabbing it. <laughs> I think I have it over here too, but I'm just talking to myself. Because... I do. My memory is fuzzy, so I do want to. I do want to know what the exact wording was. But if the okay, uh, nothing can prepare you for boarding house. Um, a psychic, a psychic gigolo who wears a leopard print thong rents a haunted house for beautiful women with no ties. From there, this otherworldly slasher transforms into a sleazy, hallucinogenic maelstrom of gore, sex, chainsaws, pie fights, killer refrigerators, jacuzzis, beds that eat people, a new wave band called Thirty Three and a Third, and a leading lady known only as. Kalasu, um, first shot on film. Well, now I don't have to describe the the plot that I wrote down because uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and also this, I mean, I I don't remember any of this in the movie, so uh, the I, I guess this was helpful for me to read the back of the box as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically the synopsis of the movie, and all I can say is I don't really remember much of that. This it, it, I. Before we were on mic, I was comparing it to our recent watch in our corn screen group of uh, Twisted Pair uh, from Neil Breen uh, as it's it's just a series of scenes and things going on with no real discernible through line. And I, I think it's also the fault of I'm wondering if this was shot on video and they edited it in camera as well, because the editing makes next to no sense at all i know that they transferred it to 35 millimeter but i'm i just 
some of the the jump cuts between scenes and stuff like it feels like it cuts mid something else and then people are just spatially other places in the world and it feels like wherever we were just at and just talking about has been dropped entirely and i don't know if that was me having a stroke or if that was the movie i mean it was probably the movie i'll I'll look at that but but i don't think i don't think they edited in camera i think that's just amateur filmmaking to be honest (laughs) because i mean they 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 do have like crazy like little like video toaster kind of effects in the movie and like Mm, little mm -hmm. overlays and whatnot like that so it's just it's just once you get past the sort of initial setup of the movie which there is a there's at least a followable setup um and it's mainly followable because we get it in in 1980 circa 1982 computer text uh which beeps for every single letter that appears on the screen and it's it's yep. really uh obnoxious i won't lie i will i will i will concede <laughs> that it is ridiculous but we get this in text via a police file essentially that um there were two like revered like doctors who like award-winning doctors uh who were studying the occult or maybe they were psychiatrists but i i mean doctor psychiatrist what whatever sure. the case may be they they had, like made breakthroughs in studying the occult and they had died in this house under mysterious circumstances um and then they sold the house to some guy which like i guess like god i mean i know the housing market's rough now but even in 1982 they were just waving the inspection um <laughs> he, he went he went uh, at least a hundred thousand over asking it was cash in hand uh <laughs> i mean it's in maholland so i'm sure he was just like i'm sure it was one of those instances where like they maybe they didn't disclose that somebody died in the house but therefore it was sold at a cheap price so they're like oh there's like an eight bedroom house so let me mm-hmm. go buy this cheap house so sold to some other guy and then he dies in a pretty like i mean like because it's shot it's like framed badly it's pretty hilarious he just he just sort of falls into the pool <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was an accident yeah no it's it, i the first time i saw this movie i similarly i was like wait what happened but now watching it a second time i'm like okay now we're watching what we are reading on screen or we're, we're oh because like, afterwards oh, it's a it's, dramatic reenactment i think or it's just it showed that that happened because then right after it because it said case like you sold it to x guy case right. closed and then we see guy who we like we find out is that guy dies and then we come back to the text that says case reopened uh so and so died in the, in the, the oh, same dude. house that the yeah exactly i i needed robert stack to narrate it that would have been better I than the robert beeping. stack in every movie please um but so it, it says like guy dies uh also under weird circumstances uh house is now willed to the only next to kin which is his nephew um uh, mm-hmm. uh jim royce who's played by john wintergate the director himself um and so and then it says case close and then you know you mentioned him a, a leopard thong wearing a psychic gigolo uh, that's mostly true that's one part of the movie that is 100 yeah. percent true he does wear a leopard print thong he does weird like meditations in his office office uh, yeah it's like he he they 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 <laughs> i don't know what he does for work but he has an office he has an office he does something for work and i couldn't tell at the start because we find out later and i don't i was gonna say i don't want to get into like spoilers but i don't know if you can really spoil this movie because it's so like like you have to experience it really like if 
if you're interested at all, you have to experience it. But, like, we come to find out it's, like, sort of psychic stuff that he's, like, learning to do and control. But, like, at first the nature of his character just reminded me of Tom Cruise's character from Magnolia. Like, he just has, he puts oh, that yeah. vibe off of, like, some, like, you know, some, like, pickup artist kind of, like, sleazy, mm-hmm. like, I'm selling these on, uh, like, uh, tel- uh, like infomercials late at night. Like, he, he gives off that kind of vibe. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, it's the crazy eyes. Yeah. Oh, it is the crazy eyes. hundred percent. Um, this guy is a face actor for sure. Like all of his expressions are incredible bad. Like they, <laughs> like he's not a good actor, but every time no. he makes like a face, like when that, that, uh, like the, the one girl gets like the knife, like automatically like, co- like d- stabs the gal from like a weird, like starts floating and stabs her and then like oh when, yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. in the doorway and all the other like uh women in the house are behind him and he just like has this like derpy face it's, it's like the turk is it turkish spider-man where the guy opens the door and he has like the oh yeah like face it's like yeah it's just way too overly dramatic but then it's it's juxtaposed with him just sort of chilling out and, and walking around this house i mean like like we sort of read off the back of the box, he just puts an ad out in the paper that says, "Girls, girls, girls! If you're between the age 18 and 25, and want you, I want you to share my 10 bedroom house with me for a hundred dollars a month." Uh, which, like, if that ad were to be in the paper today or on like Craigslist personals, uh, don't answer it. That's no. most likely a serial killer. Um, but for some reason he gets all these hot babes that want to move into the house with him. And then he just kind of bounces from one to another throughout the entire, like he has sex with maybe all of them. And there's, but it's hard to tell because I can't discern who the characters are. Right. They're pretty interchangeable. I think there's, there's maybe like two I can sort of parse. Like as far as like, I wouldn't even say having an arc, but they just had more lines than the others like, <laughs> that's their arc <laughs> yeah. and so uh but it's so odd like the whole thing because it's like it's odd that anyone would answer that call and then it's right. odd that like he's <laughs> he he's one he's not a serial killer number two <laughs> he's not a like um like a total sleaze bag like everyone seems to like him and nobody mm-hmm. has a real like there's no, like, drama. Like, in a situation like that, because he's sleeping with everybody, there would be probably some kind of, like, drama, uh, uh, like, baked into that. Mm-hmm. And there isn't, really. It's just, nope. like, they're just, they're just all, cool with it. everyone's just kind of hanging out by the pool and splashing and, and yeah. uh, you know, just, it's like a real, like, uh, I was going to say threes company situation, but it's like a tens company situation. <laughs> it's a threesome company. <laughs> hey, yo. Um, but then there's so but we have to get into the the point where there's there's a, a video toaster ghost and, yes and 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 a jollo killer there is a black gloved killer going around and we, it, for most of the movie i would say like 99 percent of the movie we're not certain that it's the same thing no no there's no indication that it is the same thing whatsoever because it's like because when we get the little like uh, a red video toaster ghost, um, that's when people start seeing like blood coming out of the shower and right. like all these like you know horrible things happening on a bed. Like they're they're like sort of hallucinate like hallucinating these these things, um, and then like but then like separate from that, there is some physical manifestation somewhere actually like mm. killing people with with the with the razor blade. 
and right. and it sort of goes back and forth like um like there's the, the killer but then there's like they're on the beach and the one girl like freaks out and like walks right into the ocean <laughs> like and it's like it's really strange and it's like they have that they do that thing uh where i mean a lot of movies do this even good movies do this but like bad movies it's more like obvious where they have uh, a character where like the movie urges you so hard in that direction of like because there's a there's a caretaker who's like not quite all there who's also played mm-hmm. by john wintergate um you know which fit fitting to your neil breen twisted pair uh, comparison because it's the amount of effort to hide the fact that it's him is pretty similar to Neil Breen's twin. <laughs> pretty, yeah. <laughs> He's got a movie. pair of sunglasses and like a fisherman hat and then like a shitty beatnik goatee like glued on his face. And you're just like, that's the same guy. Like that's yes. clearly, clearly the same guy. guy, but neither here nor there because the, basically he's like, a, he's a bit off and like the girls don't like him around. And, uh, the, the other, uh, the, the, psychic chiclo jim is like you know he's like hey like he's like you know he he helped my uncle in vietnam like yeah he took a mm-hmm. like he had an injury there and so he's not all there but like he's harmless wouldn't hurt a fly um and so it's like of course the movie it's like the it's like the the uh groundskeeper in pieces like it's like that exact same sort of like element of like the movie's trying to convince you it's that character but it's swinging so hard in that direction that you're like okay there has to be a misdirect here somewhere right. But even the misdirect is confusing <laughs> when we get I, to that point. Was there even a misdirect? Not like, really. Like, it's, and it, I don't want to get into like how that goes, because like, somebody might want to watch this. So they should watch it. I so Because I, I know I picked it as a good, <laughs> and this may sound like a what. And in reality, like when you're dealing with SOV movies, they're all what's really when you get down I, to I it. I was going to say all of these movies to somebody are a what. Yes, they are. But I think that, like, I think maybe partially why I leaned it towards it for the good, even though I, oh God, I mean, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, even though our bad movie is probably the most accessible of these three movies, because it does follow a pretty boilerplate template. Yeah. Uh, versus this movie is wild and weird, but it does have, it, I think, I do think the 35 millimeter helps because you could tell it's a scan in, even though it's shot on video, you could see the film grain, you could tell. So it's like, they tried to make it a movie, you know, (laughs) like it has that sort of feel to it. Um, But it's, it's just like you, but it also makes it weirder. Cause like I was sort of laying at the top, there's that like perverseness that these movies have that you feel like you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. But at the same time, it's like, you could see that it's a clearly a film too. So it's just like, I don't what I don't know. Like it's just like I'm at, like short circuiting as you're watching it. Well, and it's weird because because the way it because it's transferred, you can see that it has like a film grain look to it, but it's yes. still shot on video. Like it's craziness. Like it's framed all wrong. Like I said before, the editing is is just batshit and nonsensical. But it doesn't. It's not shot like a Hollywood movie. No. So it. it it, the the upres just makes it even weirder honestly yes no it does make it weirder but it, i think it also but then again it goes with the sort of weird otherworldly quality of the movie which i think is achieved by accident i want to preface i think it's just achieved by accident but it does give it an extra boost in that like weird like uh like hallucinatory like element to the movie where you're just like oh whoa what what the hell is going on here um because it's it's just like the movie is like you said it's 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 nonsense once you get past that initial conceit it's pretty much right. like people start sort of 
dying off one by one. Um, it, it's it's literally just an excuse for sequence like weird, crazy dream sequences, and topless women splashing at the pool. Yes, like that's. <laughs> and I mean, like, there's some decent gore effects. There, there was that um, one woman gets like a, a psychic attack on her. That causes her eyeballs to pop out of her head. Yes, um, that was good. I thought that scene was kind of fun. Also worth pointing out that like 60% of the audio track in this movie is just screaming. Yes, um, a lot of so, screaming. Like, the, a lot of screaming throughout the... And, like just uh, long, long sequences of people screaming. Um, but the I did also want to back up real quick because you mentioned that scene on the beach where he goes off with girl number four. Like, I, I don't know who any of the characters are. But <laughs> who are you, Lou Vega? It's the only way that my, my brain can make sense. I'm just going to number them randomly, and I'm not going to have a system do it. Um, so he goes out with girl number six, and they're on the beach, and they're, like, having sex on a blanket, and then we see our black-loved killer come up, and they grab, like, a, a rock off the beach, and they bash him in the back of the head and which is enough to get him to like sit up and be foggy eyed and he's bleeding from the head and then he passes out then the girl is like who are you and what are you doing here and then she gets psychic attacked which you've already said that she like flips out starts bleeding from the head and she goes running off into the surf and presumably drowns um he wakes up sometime later and then like i guess shakes it off and then drives home and then like we see like the next day when he comes downstairs and one of the girls is like, Hey, where's girl number six or whatever. And, uh, some other person's like, Oh look, someone left a note. It's from her boyfriend says that she just like left town with him. And that dude's in the kitchen and he's just like, yeah, all right. You're cool. <laughs> like, like, like he, compl- I, I, he must've just suffered a massive head injury because he completely blacked out that they went to the beach the day before and somebody hit him in the back of the head so hard that it caused him to bleed from the skull. And he's just like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me, you know, just took off with her boyfriend. All right. Well, want to go uh, hit the pool ladies. Right. Which is like, it would say do, I guess, establish that she is the one character like with a boyfriend. Cause they, <laughs> They do, uh, you know, because obviously the the ad said, like, you know, no strings attached, whatever. Right. And so, like, the boyfriend basically kind of, like, hires a PI to track her down and finds mm-hmm. her. Which, like, if you're seeing each other, you'd think, like, you'd have an idea of this. I don't know. A way but... to contact her? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, where are you staying so I can see you? Like, you're probably not dating if she's moved somewhere and refuses to tell you where she went. But then... That, that P.I. that she hired has the best line in the movie. When he shows up at the pool party, he sees all the girls topless, uh, like, swimming and stuff. And he goes, what is this, a harem? Shit. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I love it I just so loved much. the elongated shit. It was so good. Shit. It's like, shit. Yeah, it's like everyone's super, like, you know, like, because cause that's... That's the other thing, too, is, like, they they try to instill drama of, like, something going on here, but then if anybody, anybody shows up at the house, they're just like, well, this is dope. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that guy, and then there's the guy who, like, his says his car breaks down and he needs to call somebody to pick him up. Oh, yeah. And, and like, so he's like, can I use your phone? But then he, like, is just hanging out outside with in all a the smash wh- cut. In a smash cut. We show cut. him, be like, can I use your phone? Like, yeah, go ahead, man. And we smash cut to him shirtless. 
out in the like back sitting next to the pool like soaking up the rays and all the girls are like hey so well (laughs) no well yes but after that but it didn't that happen after because they push him into the pool that's why he's shirtless because he's fully clothed and then they was he i'm pretty sure he's fully clothed or maybe he doesn't have a shirt on i don't huh i now my brain's foggy i'm not sure but (laughs) but like they do push him in the pool and he goes like hey would you do that for but then he's just like yeah okay this is fine like i picked the right spot to have my car break down like (laughs) so so it's just like nobody nobody ever like there there's no nobody takes any sort of like call for help seriously because it's like oh well okay you have all these like topless women out by the pool so uh Alrighty, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Big gulps, huh? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and like I said, I won't. Like I said, I don't think you could really spoil it. I, I, I'm not even gonna put the final reveal in because it's, for one, it's just bonkers as hell anyway. And two, like I don't know, maybe people will be surprised by it because it does come out of pretty much nowhere. Of just like, oh, it's like they had the idea, like they had the setup. And then they had the ending in mind, I feel like. Yeah. Because it's like, there is, there's, <laughs> there's set up for that ending in the beginning with the back, with uh, like inklings of it, right? Like with the back, sure. with the backstory of the house and with the, the tapes that Jim is listening to. Like they set up things that are used in that finale, but the, the but the middle is missing yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they didn't the way to the way to get there the, is... the build up is missing the setup was yeah. there the and those elements are used in the finale but it's just like there's just no build up to it so you're just like so you even like when it's happening you're like oh yeah like that was what was introduced at the beginning i completely <laughs> forgot but i yeah okay sure <laughs> sure boarding house um and this this director and it's also like that it's it's pretty typical also in the shot on video genre that like uh, Jim Jim Waterhouse uh, Wintergate not Waterhouse sorry Waterhouse <laughs> John Wintergate um, he only did one other movie which is on the Blu-ray uh, for Boarding House um, I haven't okay. watched it but it's like a family film so it's like oh. the totally like drastic opposite direction of Boarding House um, but as typical with a lot of these directors, they didn't really do a whole lot after the movie. Like, uh, honestly, mm. I mean, actually, in all fairness, our bad and our what directors have a pretty long resume of movies. <laughs> uh, like, they're sort of those rare filmmakers who who went on to do, like, a bunch of other things. But uh, John, I keep wanting to say Waterhouse, Wintergate. Wintergate, yeah. <laughs> Wintergate. Um didn't really do much after this uh I, he he said all he needed to say with <laughs> yeah, <boarding yes>. house. <laughs> he flushed all creative juices uh into boarding house and then he was you know done <laughs> went out his peak he did i mean hey if you're gonna go out <laughs> go out on top i guess but and I, burn out. and I get it i know again i want to stress to people listening this sounds more like a what and it probably is to a certain extent um <laughs> But there's definitely, I, I, I think I just picked this good because this was, like we said, this was the original shot on video movie. It's one of the most famous ones. It's the only one that ever got a theatrical release. Um, you know, of course, which pure is shot on video. Yeah, I, I, I want to like preface by saying like pure shot on video. Like, of course, there was the Dogma 95 sort of movement, mm. um, you know, where they were using like mini DV cameras. So like, um, um, 
like uh, Lars von Trier shot the idiots that way. Um, mm. um, uh, I'm blanking on people. I like I know the well, history. Also, like, I'm even like slice of life movies, like uh, Blair Witch, shot on well, video. But Blair like, Witch, yes, for sure, and meant to yeah. exactly. Uh, Julian Donkey Boy by Harmony Korine, David Lynch's mm-hmm. Inland mm-hmm. Empire. Spike Lee's Bamboozled, like, people went to use that format, but, like, as far as, like, pure shot on video, um, at least they got blown up to 35. Well, I guess <laughs> Harmony Korine did shot, shoot Trash Humpers on video. <laughs> I don't know how big oh, well. of a theatrical release it got, <laughs> but, uh, probably someday Can't coming soon Trash to a good, oh, bad, no. what are you? Oh, we have to. I love Trash Humpers. <laughs> so, I just don't know whether to put it as good or what. Just depends on the category, I guess. But, um, but this was, like, the sort of original and sort of really, like, spawned a subgenre. Like, even if the movie itself is weird, like, the fact that it got a theatrical release made other filmmakers go, oh, wow, I could shoot a movie on video and get it out there. Um, yeah, right. So, you know, it spawned a whole movement for, for better or worse. Um, so. Yeah, uh, got to put respect to the name. Um, I just. Uh, you didn't enjoy watching it. And that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a. Uh, it's probably an acquired taste and i understand for sure like i i've seen it twice now um it, it's probably another one of those i think maybe you mentioned this with uh flesh eater like even though i do enjoy the movie it's probably one of those i probably wouldn't put on unless i was having like a, a party and put it on in the background yeah. uh you know, this would be with, with the right group putting this on in the background would probably be pretty fun for sure and this would be good for our like you know corn screen group as yeah. well i like you know and it's not as sleazy and pornographic as uh, as sort of it made it out to be it really isn't yeah. it's pretty it's really not, i mean there's boobs but there's boobs in pretty much every horror movie it's so. soft core at best sort of thing yeah. like you know it's 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 not uh, it's not anything crazy different um so but yeah if you are interested in this type of weirdness as i mentioned up top there's a blu-ray out uh courtesy of agfa and bleeding skull and it is stacked so there's a lot of special features on it it's a two disc set there's two like a disc director's cut in it too there is a director's cut i haven't i've not taken that plunge i've only watched the theatrical both times so uh we'll see i've heard the director's cuts like super long too and i'm yeah. like i don't i don't i don't know i don't know if i want <laughs> it is like two and a half hours or more yeah it is wild and it's uh the theatrical is 88 minutes i think and that's yep. enough it's it's Perfect. enough running time for sure um all right well a movie that is definitely enough of its running time arguably too long even at, yeah, far too long. at 85 minutes or 83 minutes before credits uh is sledgehammer now we're gonna have some real fun hey an orgy all right that's what i'm waiting for you fool that you have hey let's get started put your shoes oh, quiet quiet i'm talking about a seance This is the first film from David A. Pryor, uh, like I said, R.I.P., who went on to have a pretty lengthy uh, career. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. low-budget movies, but, like, you know, but he was able to get, you know, he sort of flourished where, like, he did those movies where it's, like, a lot of them starring his brother Ted Pryor, who's who's the star of this movie. Um, 
but he'd get like you know the sort of washed up actors to be like the the above the line title like there's a movie called night wars which has uh dan haggerty in it uh briefly he's top build but you know naturally only in it for a bit he of course did uh, a favorite of ours deadly prey uh the mm-hmm. the first blood knockoff uh, which has an amazing monologue by Cameron Mitchell. Uh, he did a movie called Raw Nerve, um, which just got a Blu-ray courtesy of Culture Shock releasing, uh, and it has a bunch of like famous actors uh, in that as well. Uh, has uh, it was driving me nuts the the lead um, like love interest in the movie, and it's Sandal Bergman from uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> so oh, okay, um, so yeah, he had a pretty pretty lengthy career, um, but he his mo largely was just ripping off other movies like you know uh, like basically just copy pasting and doing their own sort of thing with it but following movies to a t um and that's very evident with sledgehammer it's it's very much a sort of friday the 13th knockoff um little bit of pieces though pieces i think came out either the same year or maybe the year before uh uh, i think maybe it came out in spain the year before i want to say so um but even though this genre is more my bag than yours, as you've uh, so put out, uh, we do share a bit, whereas I, I believe this is our joint first shot on video movie that we ever watched. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean... Yeah, oh well, yeah, because Things was shot on things is, things uh, eight, eight millimeter. Eight, eight things millimeter. was 8 millimeter. But it's understandable things always gets kind of thrown into that uh, shot on video conversation i think partially because it doesn't look great number one it um, looks like crap <laughs> we'll talk about things hopefully in the near future on oh, on this no. show oh you you want to don't I don't do. lie I, uh, <laughs> I do too um but it's got that going plus um things as well as our bad and our what movies here were all put out by intervision which mm-hmm. is the sort of like which is basically they put out more type of stuff, but they've definitely started as the sort of shot on video subsidiary of Severin films. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's sort of how Sledgehammer landed on our radar because we watched things and were properly never the same. Um, <laughs> which Scarred. things things had a trailer for the Burning Moon, which we'll get there mm-hmm. when we get there. But uh, I think when I went to buy things on Amazon, and it always shows you like here's the items you would like or frequently bought together items and it right. was like things sledgehammer and the burning moon so we think we immediately went to scarecrow and picked up sledgehammer and boy oh boy were we sorely disappointed in this movie <laughs> oh man uh i remember i watched this over at your apartment after um you and kate had moved um over to where was that it was kenmore we lived in kenmore, kenmore. yeah it was something with a k uh and I'd come over for the night to watch movies, and we popped that in, and I like very quickly devolved into like I I don't want to I don't want to watch this. <laughs> like we watched it, but like I I was not having a good time. Yeah, we and, were we were the Carl Havoc of that like night. I was just like I don't want to be around anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and and I think it's the exact opposite where there there was not. It wasn't too much fucking shit. There was not enough fucking shit happening in Sledgehammer to constitute it being a movie. And I think this time around, it was even more like apparent just how really devoid of any substance the movie is. And I'll, I'll let you do your synopsis and, and sort of get that that out of the way. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think I could even 
not even pull up the tab here. I really just remember it from memory because there's really not a lot to it. Essentially, no. uh, a a kid, um, you know, kills his mother and her, her lover with a sledgehammer. And then uh, 10 years later, uh, uh, as these type of movies go, a group of 35-year-old teenagers uh, come, <laughs> to the, uh, come to the location where it happened. Um, and they are just the most obnoxious like people in, in these type of movies. And it's like, we'll get to it when we get to it, because I have a lot... I, well, not too much to say, because I don't want to spend a lot of time on the movie, but I, I have enough to say about that and like how those mm. like little nuances are missing from the... Because it's like the... the, the, the structure is here for a traditional slasher movie it's just like those little idiosyncrasies that make it are like Mm -hmm. mostly gone from from this um oh yeah but essentially again group of 35 year old teenagers show up and they fart around and then they tell a campfire story about hey do you remember that time when uh or like here's the story i'm going to tell you about a a kid who murdered his mother and and lover that happened here it's like a you know like an are you afraid of the dark kind of setup Right. Uh, and then turns out it's, we've already seen it. Yeah, we already saw it happen, and so, so we and then we you know and then it's we'll, we'll get to it. We get to it, but it's like oh yeah, it was not a ghost story actually. It it really is a thing that happened, uh, and they get picked off one by one, and that is essentially the the movie. Now I I will say I've God I've seen this movie now, I think three and like a partial time. Um, we watched it first and we we thought it was just just terrible yeah. just the worst and i did watch it i think during the first sort of covid lockdown like early 2020 mainly because um i was just trying to you know use whatever like you know very fortunate situation so trying to use my means to support like businesses that i like and and uh, mm-hmm. initiatives that i like and so uh, Alamo Draft House was doing. Um, I think they were trying to do. They were doing like remote Terror Tuesdays and Weird Wednesdays. So I was trying oh, okay. to support any way I can. And the, I think the first Terror Tuesday they kicked off with was Sledgehammer, and I was like, Oh fuck, it's Sledgehammer! <laughs> but I was like, But I'm like, I I want to support it. Plus they were still doing their like pre shows even before mm. like on a in a virtual setting. So I was like, Okay, I'll do it. Plus by that time I had had more of a appreciation for the shot on video subgenre so i'm like look i'll give the movie another shot because i maybe maybe i wasn't like you know i maybe i'm more enlightened now and and i still (laughs) and i still like i wasn't as mad watching it because i was very mad the first time we watched this movie and Mm -hmm. and i was definitely wasn't mad because it's like they were just they were people who genuinely wanted to make a movie and seeing where david a Pryor's career ended up being through his life it's like i have no ill will towards the movie i just think it's bad um and then watched it for this episode, and then I watched snippets because it played, uh, it played on the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. I think last season, I want to say, um, okay, or maybe the season before. I can't recall because they did like a shot on video night, even though the second movie was Things, which was not shot on video. But um, I was very happy seeing the people who would have never seen Things, like because people like live tweet the last drive-in being like what the hell am i watching which again we'll get to it but sledgehammer was the first movie and i was like oh like so i watched like bits of it just because i like the joe bob insight on it but i was just like man this movie's just so boring and i yes i I, it's just it's so boring that's all i have for for it really (laughs) Uh, well and i i think 
it can really be exemplified. I've said in the last couple of episodes uh, that if a car is driving towards screen on a long road very slowly, that's a bad sign. Um, this movie starts with a fade up from black on just a red house. And it's 31 seconds, I timed it, of just that house still in the frame with like crickets and stuff. And we have no idea. This is the first image that you've seen in the movie. 31 seconds. And just pause and don't do anything for 31 seconds and realize how long and boring that is. And now try and convince yourself that that belongs in a film. In a horror film. Like something that's supposed to be thrilling and exciting. And this is the first impression that we get of the movie. But then that's when at the end of that 31 seconds, that's when the camera starts to zoom. And then there's just screaming. And it's the mother very much like the freeway maniac yelling at her kid and being like, I got to fuck a guy. So I'm going to lock you into this closet. And she does that, goes to bang that dude. And then it's literally the same introduction as the Freeway Maniac. Yeah, I think it's I mentioned that in our Freeway Maniac episode that that this that it reminded you, me of you Sledgehammer. May have. <laughs> it's, it's the exact same because then he shows up and kills both of them with the Sledgehammer, which there is a pretty decent like it's not decent. It's pretty horrible looking, but it's funny and it fits in the movie. But they have like a fake head uh, that he hits he hits the back of the head with the sledgehammer and it kind of like busts it open and all this goopiness comes out of it. And it's like on the end of a broomstick and they just put a shirt on it. Like you can tell there's no neck there. It's just like a, like a, like a bowl or something that they have up there and it looks pretty bad, but it's, it's stuff like that where like that shines through and I go, that's cute. That's endearing. Yes. That is, a, that is a group of friends that want to make a horror movie, but they don't have the means. They just have the creative mind. And so I can respect that of like, we just want to make this movie so bad that we will cut corners in order to make sure that we can get it like captured and it'll be a fun thing. But then stuff like that happens. And then, like you said, we get a long shot of a car driving along a long driveway. And then at the end of that long driveway is that house that we had a 31 second establishing shot on. And then the first probably 10 minutes of these characters walking around is them talking over each other in muddled conversations yeah like we, we don't get character moments we get a long sequence of them unloading bags from the car and then just saying shit to each other about like oh man this is gonna be such a fun weekend oh did you bring the beer oh i'll take a beer no yeah. like that and it's just intermingling sound and you're like which happened in point? the beginning of flesh eater as well we pointed out yes. and i made the joke that it was like a robert altman films like watching nashville or mccabe uh, mccabe and mrs miller with like the over like overlapping dialogue that he would he would do um exactly but it, but, but like even within flesh eater they stopped at one point and started having one-on-one conversations it takes us a while to get to that oh big time well the, and it's also like hitchcock's rope because there's like probably 12 cuts in this whole movie <laughs> like you're talking about like establishing shots and all that stuff it's like this movie is so much like camera locked off yep. scene of them unloading their van and we see everybody one by one and they have the overlapping dialogue and whatnot and then cut to now they're at the dinner table yep. and then like everyone's having see like there's no there's no like um like a later you get a couple but like there's no real like close-ups it's like everything is just a wide shot on sticks and then it's like they 
they know and by they i mean david and ted Pryor. it's like they clearly know the slasher genre and they mm-hmm. kind of like know the archetypes or at least are trying to do it but the problem is like every character is samey for one it you know and two like the characters are obnoxious in these movies and that's sort of the, like the point of a lot of slashers like is that i mean at least like the trashy ones that that, that know and acknowledge like you're just here for blood so like the characters don't have to be likable because they're going to be killed off so it's like they understand that but like it's just lacking that like little bit of nuance to make them at least like one dimensional like these characters are no dimensional and they're just loud and like just yelling over one another and like they they have a food fight inexplicably (laughs) a long elongated food fight it's ridiculous like and then as they're cleaning up the food fight and the camera has been locked off on sticks the whole time that this has been going on yes and i also want to point out that it's a bit of like an evil dead setup because that they they show up at the cabin they go in they sit down for dinner before shit kicks off um but they sit down they have a food fight the girls get up and leave and the guys are left to start cleaning shit up and then while they're cleaning shit up it's just them telling like sex stories yeah like which does the, happen in like which the Friday does 13th happen, movies, but it's like but... it's but it's like really awkward, like it's not it's not even world building or character building, and it's not scripted, like you can yeah. tell that it's like off the cup, like, off the cuff, like man, this chick was so hot, and then we were doing like, uh, and it's just like, I am eavesdropping on sixteen year olds, that's yeah. not entertaining. This is annoying, right? And then again, there it's because there's no characterization and there's no like sort of zip to the dialogue like right like there's like you said it doesn't sound scripted versus like something like friday the 13th like they might throw like a, a sexual innuendo in there but like right. it was clearly written and it was right. delivered by an actor or at least an actor <laughs> <laughs> an actor who was good enough for what friday the 13th part five needed you know what i right. mean like it's 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 like they had but i mean granted that's also studio money versus like this movie was shot for $5. So it's just like they had a relative with this barn at house somewhere. Like there's no way they didn't like, right. Right. So it's just like, you know, they, they use what they have, but like, like none of this stuff makes for interesting. It's all padding. Like it's all padding just to get to the things that you want to see in a movie like this. And even then, they're not that interesting when we get to it. Like, once we finally sort of have the campfire story, and then we have the adult version of the Sledgehammer Killer, which your description of it is the most accurate description I've ever heard, so I'm going to let you take the reins on that one here in a second. But it's just like, <laughs> the, like none of the stuff you want to see, other than some decent, decent, I'm going to say decent musical stings, like enough like it's they're trying to make it eerie and they're trying to make it atmospheric Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that and i want to at least acknowledge that there's an attempt there and some interesting like surrealist like maybe like fades like they're 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 trying to make it sort of dreamlike they're attempting to i don't think that's entirely successful but i think there's an attempt um but it takes so long to get there and i will let you describe our uh our killer (laughs) Well, I said that he looks like Pat from It's Pat, the SNL sketch, uh, which he does. But I liked your description better where you said that he looks like Shelly from Friday the 13th Part 3, which is is apt in a couple of ways. Like he's he's like a, a bigger guy, like a more rotund guy mm-hmm. who's wearing like a, a button down shirt and he's got big curly brown hair. 
but he's wearing the the see-through plastic mask with like the the face drawn on it and Shelly has that mask early on in Friday the 13th Part 3 before they make it to Crystal Lake. He, like, tries to use it in one of his prank scares. Right. Um, so, like, I, I'm, like, they didn't take that from Part 3 because this movie came out in 1983, but it's... This came out a year after. Cause, uh, did it really? 80, 81, 82 were oh, part one, right. two, and three. I always think I always think Friday the Thirteenth came out in eighty one for some reason. All right, well then scratch that. They did steal it, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's like the Friday the Thirteenth remake. They just rolled one through three into a, a single yes. movie. <laughs> so at least David um, A. Pryor and Ted Pryor were ahead of the curve on uh, Michael Bay and Brad Forum and uh, 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 the other guy at Platinum Dunes. So Platinum Dunes guy. Um, but I think it's also worth pointing out, like, the the set, the, the movie that this is in. So I don't know if this is, like, an abandoned building or what, but there's no set dressing. And so when they're, like, walking around in the house, it's like they're in the, the warehouse in THX 1138. It's just, like, blinding white walls. <laughs> there's no and furniture, hardly. There's no furniture. There's no framed photos. There's no, nothing at all. It's just a, a, a barren empty building um maybe they knew someone like someone like neil breen who's a, a real estate agent in his actual because most of neil breen's movies are shot in like staged houses that yes. he's going to sell and so maybe they had someone who's a real estate agent and they're like yeah you could film in here and because because it literally looks like because the kitchen's kind of staged like at least there's at least mm-hmm. a kitchen table because that's where they eat and they have the food fight um but then like the rest of the rooms just like there's just this is nothing. There's nothing well, there. And there's like, there's like a kill room in the house. Cause like the, 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 like the people that will, there's like a dirty bear mattress that's shoved in a corner of one of the white rooms. And like a couple will go off in there. The ghost guy will show up. And like you said, there's like a synth score that's here, which I actually wrote down in my notepad that the synth score that's playing during the opening credits, not bad. It's like, good. It, it's, better than anything else in the movie um but the there is like a bit of a synth score that's playing and in order to like sort of falsely build tension they just put everything in slow motion so like they're like on top of each other um very like there's obviously not an intimacy coordinator that's on set that's helping them uh try and make this look realistic while also being safe and respectful of one another there's just two shirtless people lying on top of each other completely rigid and, and kind of kissing each other so like it's there's it's like the most awkward sex you'll ever see in your oh life. my god the sex scene is really like awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> they're just it's just like one person's leg is over the other leg and it's like it's like it's, yeah it's it's so oh yeah they're they're not lined up it's kind of it's kind of like tommy was those sex scene at the beginning of the room where it's just like are you fucking her belly button dude like that's not <laughs> how this works uh, but yeah they're like their their genitals are not in a contact area which is probably good because uh, they didn't have an intimacy coordinator but um the while this is going on the killer guy like we'll see a shot of him sort of like walking or his shadow and the music playing and then we'll get a close-up shot on like the doorknob slowly turning and then we cut back to the bed to show that they're still kissing and we cut back to the doorknob slowly turning and we cut back to the bed see they're still kissing we cut back to the doorknob 
now has reached the end of its turn and the door starts to come out of the door and we go back to the bed. So like a, a, a scene that should be 15 to 20 seconds max is stretched out to like two minutes yeah. of just back and forth and back and forth and just boom. It'd be like, it'd be like if you, if, if, if like in Inception there was no like cross cutting and it was just the van falling <laughs> for like two minutes straight. Like <laughs> Chris Nolan needed to fill some time to get it to feature length, <laughs> so he just inserted four minutes of a van falling in slow motion. I mean, it's 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 not far off to be honest. No. It'd be like if you were just watching that part of the sequence, it's like it's just a van falling versus the, like this. It's just like okay, it's a doorknob. It's a doorknob. Right. Is somebody gonna open the door? Are they gonna go through the doorknob? Nope, we're still not there yet. Okay. Um, like it's and just... the fact they do that like multiple times. Like there's multiple times where they will cut to the door and the doorknob is slowly turning and they hit that like sting music to try and build tension. And it's like your audience is is they we're miles ahead of you. Like yeah. there is no tension. We know what you're doing. Like you need to get in and get out to shock the audience. And so then the next time you try and do this, that there's tension built on top of like, well, last time he like killed the shit out of those kids. So I hope that these characters I care about can get out of here. But it's characters we don't care about. They're in an unbelievable setting and they are being stalked by a hilarious looking killer who is so horribly inefficient yet efficient at killing them that you're like, I don't really care if you guys live or die. Yeah. And this movie still got 70 minutes left in it. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's one of those movies you speak of the slow-mo and like, we'll, we'll, we'll risk pulling a sledgehammer and padding our episode and, and get out of this very shortly. But it's just like the slow-mo is just a mean to pad the running time because it's like, mm-hmm. Before the credits, I think it's about 80 minutes. And it's like, it strains to get to that point. Yes. Um, But, like, it's so odd. I mean, I don't want to judge anybody. Like, it, it totally, like, you know, like, I like boarding house, so I'm in no room to judge anybody. But, <laughs> but like, you know, the, in the world of people who like shot on video movies, this is genuine, generally ranked pretty high. Uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. that Bleeding Skull uh, one that I was talking about at the top of this episode that you can find in the show notes, like... It's ranked number two on their top 50. And I'm like, I, you know, and I haven't seen every movie on that list, but every single one I have seen, I would put ahead of Sledgehammer. So yeah. I, I, but I, I think maybe similar to Boarding House, where Boarding House was like kind of the first one to do it, period, and got a theatrical release. Sledgehammer was the first to get like VHS distribution. Um, so it's like they shot it on video and they got it in the video store and mm. people watched the movie. And so it's like, I can respect it from that end, from the standpoint of like, it was people who really wanted to make a movie and they did whatever they had to do, even though it wasn't very good. They got it in video stores and then went on to have a pretty like lengthy career. Uh, and they've, you know, I've seen a good amount of David Pryor movies. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some I like, I love deadly prey. I like raw nerve. Uh, Night Wars is all right. Um, I, I don't mind Mutant Species. There was another one of his I think <laughs> I watched. Mutant Species is not too bad, to be honest. And there was another... Like, I watched it when it was on Prime briefly. Um, and I... Yeah, I can't... I'm re- blinking on the other one of his movies I've seen. But, like, you know, he had a pretty long career. So, like, I gotta give credit where credit's due. But, unfortunately, uh, as a movie itself, Sledgehammer is now having seen it three and X, uh, quarter or three and a half times 
I don't recommend anybody watch it one time if they don't have to. <laughs> what I, if if this is playing at a movie theater, and you and a group of friends want to get some beers and go watch it with a crowd of people? I could see a crowd collectively turning on the movie in frustration and yelling at the screen as a fun experience to watch this movie. But standalone, like a good theater experience can elevate a movie, but it doesn't make the movie. The, the movie yeah. should not be made for the, the the pure idea that it's going to screen in front of a bunch of people, especially if it's shot on video, because that's not going to happen. You, you, yeah. you can't build it for that reason. So as a standalone movie, it sucks. It yeah. just sucks. And maybe the, the, the you know Bleeding Skull, when they put it in number two, maybe they watched it in a movie theater and had a great experience. That's the only excuse that I can give, because I, I cannot understand putting this movie on top of any list yeah i i can't either i mean i'm not gonna knock it but it just personally i i don't quite understand it and like the context we left out when we would do like our movie nights it's like we'd often go to the mini mart next door and get a six pack so yeah we were probably we were probably well it helped but i was like we were probably you know sort of three sheets to the wind and even we're like uh this (laughs) is boring (laughs) so so that's 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 i think that's about where we'll leave it um but a movie that um a movie that at least has things going on in it. Yes, it does. <laughs> is The Burning Moon. From the people who brought you the Traces of Death series. Intervision. Brings America the goriest horror film of them all. The Burning Moon. When the moon is full, the blood tide rises. No matter what you've seen, you ain't seen nothing like this. Banned in 14 countries, straight from the German underground, in its original, uncut, uncensored version, The Burning Moon. You want it? Make them get it. Which I might have to backtrack, um... This might actually be our first shot on video movie that we watched together. Because I think we were still in the Greenwood house when we watched this. Um, I had never seen this one until this time. Oh, We'd only seen the trailer for it at the beginning of Things. Okay, so I watched it then. And I think when I lived in Green, when we lived in Greenwood. Maybe you didn't watch it with me. Maybe. Um, but I do not remember this movie at all. I remember, if I did watch it. So I remember... I remember elements, but not a lot. Like I remember uh, cause it's in the trailer for things. And that's what at least piqued our interest of it is there's a mm-hmm. terrific bad dummy shot <laughs> of <laughs> getting plowed by a sedan. And it's amazing. Um, and so I remember that. And I do remember that it was an anthology. Like I remember it was an anthology mm-hmm. and I remembered the, uh, like the sort of wraparound. Like I knew it was like a junkie punk kid. Like I remember that. Uh, but I could not have told you, anything that happened in the actual two like stories of the movie. Like I did not remember anything like that. I remember the wraparound and I remember the bad dummy shot in the first story. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I, I, but either way, I did not mark this as a rewatch for myself, to be honest, because I'm like, I remember this being odd, but I didn't remember much about it. And, uh, uh, so I'll ask you, I guess, uh, what did you think, Having no recollection of watching this movie, if you did watch this movie, like what did you think of the Burning Moon? I well now I'm I'm confused. I I, I don't know if I'd watched it. I I I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure I didn't watch it before. However, 
it's possible that I'd, I'd gotten a little bit too deep into the Cups and McNaughton's and I had watched it and just not retained any of it. That's possible, but I literally remember nothing about it except for the bad dummy shot, which I remembered from the Things trailer. So I, I'm pretty sure it's a first time watch, but I, I've been wrong before. Um, but I will say of the three movies, I enjoyed this one the most. Um, I, I can't say definitively that it's like the better movie of the three because it's not constructed very well. Um, or, or really executed very well. However, they know what they're there for. And what they're there for is to be as gross as possible. And in that regard, they hit it out of the park. It's disgusting. Yes. Um, it's hilarious. Uh, it's, I think intentionally so. I think there are definitely some things, and we'll get into it, that they are going to provoke and they're going to try and make you upset and sort of visually assault you, and they are successful in those regards as well. But it gets to a point where the, the violence is so goddamn ridiculous that I was I – was, cackling yeah uh at at how absurd it was the whole like final five to ten minutes of this movie oh, man. is like uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. it's so off the rails and i think that's what's so impressive and and why i you know sort of what i what in my memory made it uh, a what is like the 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 gore well it's very visceral and it is very graphic and i think there mm-hmm. that can't be understated however it is so homemade but like done and, and done so charmingly that you're like, this is like an extreme, like, quote-unquote extreme, like, horror movie. But you're right. like, but it's kind of adorable at the same time. Because yeah. it's like, they, they're all homemade effects and they're all practical. They all And they look pretty good, like, but they're also, yeah. but there's some that are really, like, just so over the top. And again, a bit cheap. So therefore, you're like, now I'm just laughing, even though I should be laughing at this movie that's probably really upsetting. And this is also... Um, we should also note it's a German film. It's a German shot mm-hmm. on video, which is also its own. I'm coming to find out is its own sub 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 genre of these like German underground shot on video horror movies because our our you know the wonderful people at Agfa and Bleeding School also just put out um, a set that I picked up and I watched for the Scarecrow Challenge of Fuck the Devil and Fuck the Devil Two: Return of the Fucker. Um, (laughs) which are also German shot on video movies. Um, so that's maybe, maybe even that's a little bit of a a primer into what you're getting into with the burning moon, but I'll just lay down the plot here. Uh, as I sort of mentioned up top, it is an anthology. Um, Mm -hmm. and after partaking in a warrior style rumble, a disturbed heroin junkie teenager is forced to babysit his younger sister for the night and tells her, tells her two gruesome tales in this extreme horror anthology one about an escaped maniac who goes on a blind date who will kill, literally, to find the right partner. And another about a psychotic priest, the farmer who is accused of the priest's crimes, and the most adorable yet horrifying DIY depiction of hell ever created. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically yep. it. There's a, a, you know, there's a wraparound story with this just junky punk character who's, like, in therapy or in, like, you know, like, school counselor you know tis- yeah. tisking you know like very like twisted sisters we're not going to take it sort of moments uh they get involved in a a rumble that's pretty <laughs> like the jets and the sharks yeah exactly yeah i was about to say it's very west side story-esque I, I mentioned the warriors but like it definitely is more more west side story for sure 
Um, there's a shot where it punches in and a guy is playing with a butterfly knife, but it's in slow motion. And as he was like throwing his wrist out, I was like, I was right at like, I was convinced he was about to just start like, like snapping his fingers as walking. And then I saw the knife and I was like, oh shit, I thought it was going to be like a West Side Story reference. <laughs> when you're a jet, you're a jet till the end of yeah, the I would take like cigarette a hard, to your last. Yeah. <laughs> it, like a hard R, like sp- splatter gore version of West Side Story. I oh, the shit out that would be great. We need more like uh, horror musicals. Like we don't have that many, which I think I have a category of them coming, but it's like the only three that I could fit. It just happened, fortunately, that they're, they're all good. Well, no, there's 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 some there's a bad one, and there's uh, a what one I did watch recently. I mean, Rocky Horror is great, and uh, 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 Little Shop of Horrors. Well, is yeah, but great. Rebo the Genetic Opera is fucking terrible. Um, oh yeah. So there you go. Fair point. Well. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoiler everybody, alert! You know for, our list for <laughs> for for, for uh, horror tinged musicals. So, um, but I digress. So uh, this rumble happens, and it's 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 like kind of cute. There's also like someone gets thrown into a window, like uh, yeah, which apparently again IMDb trivia, you know, sometimes hard to believe. However, I feel like for a movie this small, like. And I haven't watched the commentary on this or anything like that. I'd like to because mm. I'm, I'm very interested in how they did all the effects. To be honest, I was really, really, I'm really intrigued by it. So maybe somebody pulled it from this. But I guess Olaf Ittenbach, the director, because they couldn't get like a stunt coordinator. He did all his own stunts and apparently got hit in the crotch a lot is what he oh. said. <laughs> so like almost every like stunt scene you see in the movie is him. Apparently, apparently getting allegedly. hit in the crotch. Which, I mean, that, talk about dedication, right? You're the director of the film, and you're like, I don't have the money for stunt coordinator, so I don't know, just put me in the suit. I'll go I'll go do it, so. I respect it. Did he do the Flaming Man stunt in the, the hell scene? Ooh, I mean, I don't, again, I, I just got a baseline sentence about it, but if he did. That was the one that scared me, because yeah. like, with this movie's budget, you're doing a Flaming Man stunt? That's just a kid on fire wearing a hoodie. Yeah, with a handkerchief over his face. I hope he's okay. Sincerely yeah. hope that whoever did that, whether that was the director or not, is okay. Because Jesus Christ, um, they didn't do it right. I I can almost guarantee it. But then he gets, uh, you know, he kind of lips to his parents. This this junkie punk, and then there's like his punishment was just you have to babysit your sister, which yeah. is like okay, weird, whatever. So he he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you some bedtime stories. And well, first. Oh. shoots up heroin yes oh i forgot that part because i said he was a junkie but we actually do see him shoot up heroin and yeah, literally it's not just telling tales out of school and he just shoots it in his arm he shoots it in his arm and literally uh in his like tripping sees the moon on fire like literally yeah, the, sees burning the burning moon. moon um and then goes to his sister's room to tell her these stories and i should have wrote the names of the stories down but uh, the first one is uh doesn't really matter but the first one's essentially um <laughs> It's like a Halloween kind of setup, like a dangerous, mm-hmm. deranged patient escapes from a mental institution um, and goes on goes on a blind date with with a woman. Um, and I didn't get this. Was it so the the bad dummy shot that gets hit by the car? That's him that runs it over. But is, does he steal that guy's jacket? He does. Steal and that's that what that jacket. scene was. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 
So he does, he pulls, like, again, like Halloween, when he kills the, ga- when Michael Myers kills the gas station attendant yeah. and puts on the jumpsuit. It's, you know, I mean, it's reminiscent of that, except it's just a bad dummy getting plowed by a car. <laughs> and it's, it's awesome. so good. Well, I mean, they, they, like, the dummy shot, like, is hilarious, but, like, they also fucked up that car, too. Like, they oh, actually, yeah. like, ran into the car door. Um, so they had the money to get a junker and, and like, do that. So, yeah, he... That's right, because she's going on a date with that guy, but she, mm-hmm. but he smashes it, takes the coat, and then he's the one who goes on the date and right. like tells us this horrific story about how like his parents were murdered, um, and she's like, uh, okay, like yeah, good start to a yeah, day, good yeah. start to a date, and she's like, basically finds herself in a like, uh, like you know, this was all right, this was nice, but yeah, that the. Uh, I'll call you, but not going to call you sort of thing. Um, And then he, um, and then we get the sort of home invasion set up where he follows her home and starts. Before we get to that, I do want to say he goes to give like before taking her home, he's like, well, at least I can do is give you a ride home. And so then they go to get into his car, which is a, it's a, uh, it's a red golf GTI. And she gets into the car, and when he gets in, he has, like, a, a like a flashback or something. Like, he sees something horrific in his brain. And he's like, um, I have to go get some cigarettes. Uh, I'll be right back. And he, like, leaves her in the parking garage sitting in the car. And so then while she's waiting there, she turns on the radio. And on the radio, a news bulletin comes through about a madman who's escaped from mental institution. And he killed... Uh, he killed three doctors on his way out. He's considered arms and armed and dangerous. He's driving a red golf GTI, um, license plate, you know, who's it's, what's it's, I didn't, you know, write down what the actual thing where the license plate, but she gets out, looks, sees it. It's just like, Oh fuck. And like takes off running. And we cut to her outside running down the sidewalk. And then she goes out into the street and goes, please stop, please. And like a car, like comes to a stop and she gets into it. And when she gets into it, it's a red golf GTI with the ex- it's same license plate. They just use the same car between the two shots. And I was like, that dumbass got back in the same car with the same guy. and like, didn't realize it was, a- but it's insinuated that this is a completely new guy because the car pulls up in front of her house to drop her off. And it's a completely new guy driving it, but it is the exact same car. So like in my head cannon, like some, she, jumped out of the car in the parking garage some guy committed grand theft auto stole that car she didn't recognize it picked her up and was just like oh yeah sure i'll give you a ride home while i'm stealing this car and then just dropped her back off at her house but i couldn't sorry you can continue i couldn't let you go forward because that seems confused the shit out no you're right that's a good call i didn't even really like notice that let's talk about like good good eye because i must have just been like okay this is you know like okay the means to the end so i must not just not have been paying attention but like they must have just had the same just the one car to work with and they were just like people won't notice but i did yeah i noticed it <laughs> we're on to you uh Olaf Hittenbach. <laughs> um but um so yes okay that's right so she gets uh gets dropped off by home by somebody else driving the same car <laughs> just driving his car <laughs> um and and uh you know then the, then then the home invasion happens then he he arrives and starts brutally murdering the members of her family and then come to find out that he uh so he doesn't want to but he doesn't want to murder her he's in love with her and he mm-hmm. has like 
visions of them skipping down the fields in like uh like her in a wedding dress and them like you know caressing in the field and laying down and it's just like which is honestly kind of horrific like that's a kind of a horrific Im- like imagery of the movie of like juxtaposing here's this extreme violence but i'm actually like really smitten with this person like really mm-hmm. like even in a cheapy way shows that this guy's frame of mind is like way off so yeah. like i feel like they did a really good job with like with that element because i was genuinely creeped out in those yeah it's like uh it's like fear with mark Wahlberg. i've actually never seen that movie it's similar sort of situation where he's a complete fucking madman but he's very much infatuated with i think it's alicia silverstone all right well somebody or no no it's reese witherspoon oh gotcha i've never like i said never seen it i'll have to check it out at some point coming to a good bad what episode (laughs) in the future most likely i remember liking it a lot all right well i'll check it out but uh yeah so it's like there's some really good like disturbing and like great gore too like i mean it hits its fever pitch in the second story but there's still definitely some really good like slasher extreme just blood splattering all over the walls limbs taken gleefully gleefully Yeah. yeah absolutely and he he's his sort of like justification for doing it was like you know your parents didn't like they they would have not approved of us being together like they wouldn't Mm -hmm. have done that so like i might as well just skip right to this uh and so now we're free now we're free to do Mm -hmm. what we want she's like what the fuck are you talking about like right away from me (laughs) well and so the when she escapes in the car he jumps into the back of another car and kills a woman that's in it and, and cuts her head off. And then the guy that's stuck in traffic behind him, like gives him uh, like also he's, I don't know, maybe you haven't lived in Boston for several years now. I, I my, my patience is worn th- thin when it comes to driving, but the, the light turns green and they like cut to the guy behind him. And he's just kind of like, Oh, come on, man. That light's been green forever now. Are you going to move? Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. And then and then he goes, beep, beep. And, like, it just gives him, like, a couple of honks. He's like, hey, come on. Like, you know, pick it up. Or, like, he's, like, really polite about it. I'm like, this is Boston. Like, by the by the time that thing was green, you would have already had three people in line behind you laying on their horns uh, and pissed off that you weren't, didn't start moving before it turned green. But um, <laughs> he, this guy honks at him. He takes umbrage. So he like opens up the sunroof and throws the decapitated head right. out the roof of the car back onto the hood of the guy behind him and then and drives off. So when we get to this whole horrible scene, there's the everybody's dying at this woman's house. He's killed the whole family. She's you know barely surviving. She breaks a bottle over his head and stabs him with it. They break out into like the front lawn. And they are you know coming to blows. The guy pulls up a knife and he's gonna stab her. And then he hears like a, hey, oh no, we, we see a, a punch in shot of a gun getting the, like the, the cocked. Like he's like sliding, sliding the, 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 well, whatever. I'm not great with guns, but he like slides it back and like puts a, a round into it. And he's like, hey, and he like looks up and we get a, a gorgeous head explosion. It's so good. Um, <laughs> cause his, it's like an extreme close up on his face swinging into frame like, huh? And then it just obliterates yeah, it splits I don't know. open like from the forehead it's like and it's so good <laughs> i don't know what ammunition he was using in that gun but it just like just turns his head in, in into just like porridge and they you see a, a close-up on the the girl's face as all the chunks and blood rain down on her just cover her and she's screaming and she's crying and then we get like a cut to 
it's the guy that was in the car behind them earlier and he's just standing uh, like casually with his hands down in front of him and like the edge of the yard and he's just like hey i'm a cop i was in the car behind you at that stoplight that guy threw a head at me i've been following you up until this point but it took me a while. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to get here sooner. And he's like casually explaining, and it's just the English dub, which is hilarious in this movie, but he, he's casually explaining how he got there. But this woman is just screaming and crying and covered in blood, like 30 feet from him. And he's just casually standing off to the side, like, yep, I did my job. Sorry about that. I tried to be sooner, but the traffic was crazy. And, you know, I got lost. I was using MapQuest, but I should have used Google Maps. I don't know what I was thinking. It's like, do your job. Help that poor woman. You make this sound like a Canadian movie, even though it's a German film. Well, and when, when he's, like, attacking the father, the father's English dub screams are like, ah! Yeah. Ah! Oh, the screams were really funny in that. Um, what, what, so hilarious. what first... You said English dub. Which version did you... Because the one I watched was in German with English subtitles. Is that the same one you watched? Oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It was in German with English subtitles. However, there was definitely moments where like the German didn't match the lips. And I don't know if that was like bad ADR or if the people in the movie were not speaking German natively and it was dubbed German over another language. I couldn't... I had a hard time figuring that out as well. Because like there's... I mean, because there's a ton of, especially these days, like, courtesy of, like, Vinegar Syndrome, like, there's a ton of Giallo films, Spanish or Italian, that are restored, and, like, they're clearly, they got, like, English-speaking actors to do it, and they're Mm -hmm. clearly speaking English, but because they do dubbing after the fact, the only audio available is in Italian, so it's then uh, dubbed in Italian with English subtitles. So I couldn't tell if that was that situation or if it just wasn't very good ADR with German and they were speaking German. I yeah, I, am, I don't know. I think it was the second one because it's like it is German director, German right. shot movie. So it's like it would be odd if they were, you know, speaking English and, uh, you know, but uh, especially because they have like one thing I noticed because I did notice the track was off. There's like they had good like Foley. Like they they took the time to be like you hear footsteps and you hear oh, like, yeah. all the so it's like they did a good job from like that element. It just like the dub the the specifically the dialogue dubbing was like just mm-hmm. something off about it. But um but yeah the dub was very very like like it's the screaming was i, I was it's laughing very, like it's, it's very out of place because you texted me and i think i was i was watching it about the same time but like i started a little later uh mm-hmm. like it uh, so like you texted me about the screams being hilarious and i think right at that point was when that dad was getting <laughs> murdered and, oh, <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> it's so funny um it's just it's just it's when it's an actor in a scene and you're being attacked your your screams are going to have desperation there's going to be like you're in a struggle and you're fighting you're trying to get help and it's very different when it's a man in a booth i just picture like uh uh, london from like toast of london uh doing his his vo work and uh clem clem fandango has to uh ask him like hey steven can we get can we get a few screams this is what you would get out of steven toast 
if he was doing the the ADR work, which maybe he did. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that's my headcanon now. That's Stephen Toast doing the screams for that, Burning Moon. That's a better frame of reference. I was thinking of that clip from the the Tom Cruise mummy movie that's terrible oh, that yeah. surfaced without. <laughs> the... oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, with just the with no uh, with no uh, nothing else, just the screams. No other <laughs> sound is just him flipping around in, in empty space, going. Oh, 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 oh. It's so good. Look that up on um, YouTube if you've never seen it. It's amazing. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. It's so good. Don't watch the actual movie, though. It's crap. But uh, <laughs> that, that trailer is the, the best thing to come out the of. The rare, the rare Tom Cruise misfire. Um, but in anywho. Um, and, but that, I mean, I think that's pretty much the end of that story. Like, so she's like, the, oh, yeah. the cop comes His in. His head gets blown up. Gets blown and, up. Yeah. And then that's the end of that one. And then we move. I think it's The Purity is the name of the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, which yep. I do remember the name of that. Um so I will issue at least a trigger warning for this one yeah. because this one does start with a very horrible rape scene uh, that does not like it. There's no like it's imagining there it. it's there to provoke you. It's hundred percent there yeah. to provoke you. Um, so this woman is attacked and then that happens. And then she is shot in the head by mm-hmm. this psychotic priest. And then immediately from there, it's a, it's a, uh, like a fade to like, you have a voiceover, of like because it starts with like the priest saying like you know purifying essentially like doing some sort of monologue there on the spot Mm. and then it fades to voiceover and then he's speaking at this woman's funeral so clearly the guy is a psychopath he's the 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 priest like the the village like priest um who's committing horrible acts and then murdering these people um but then it becomes like a almost like a Halloween kills evil dies tonight scenario because the town thinks that it's this other guy, this farmer, um, who and do we know why? Like, did I no, like, no, we don't. I because I was okay. wondering the same thing because he actually goes and talks to the priest and he's like, you know, I'm probably gonna be meeting God soon. And he goes, like, Well, why you're still like plenty young? And he's like, Well, like the whole town thinks that I did these things, and so like, he, it's almost like he has a premonition, like, he's only a matter of time. Uh, right. So that happens. Um, but so, the, but there's no real reason other than I just think they don't like him is the really the only sense that I get. But yeah. Like, and I don't know if they were trying to set up like a, like a, of mice and men, like Lenny situation, because like, I don't know, like the priest is taking care of him and definitely like has some sort of care for him. He ultimately puts some sort of like satanic hex on the guy like protection spell on the guy that we'll end up seeing later but he cares for this guy and i don't know if it was because like the farmer is supposed to be like simple and the townsfolk think that he's dangerous because of it but it doesn't come across like that because he doesn't he doesn't act like any stranger than anybody else that's in the movie he's just a guy like sweeping the sidewalk basically yeah and the town folk hate him yeah they just absolutely just hate this guy and are so convinced that he is perpetrating these crimes. Um, and then I, you're, you're much better at following and keeping notes of these things. Like what? So I've been, and I'm also going to say like minor spoilers, but like I stop now. If this movie is of interest to you and go check it out, it is a uh, DVD of, uh, put out by intervision. It's also streaming on the area arrow video channel. So yep. um, I think it's also rentable on prime video. So you got options, go check it out. But so what I feel like I missed a chunk between town thinks that farmer did it and priest taking his own life. Like, yes. So what <laughs> do you recall what happens in between that? Happening? I, so 
there's another scene where the priest does like a home invasion and he there's a guy like watching tv and he yes. decides to shoot the guy like 20 times in the chest instead of just once in the head that's right and it's like this elongated scene of this guy on the couch like getting shot and going ah like same adr level of yells <laughs> but he just like just over and over and he takes time to reload the revolver and then keep shooting the guy yeah. and it's just like just put him out of his misery you sick fuck and he just keeps shooting him shooting him and then he attacks the woman and you think it's going to be another rape scene but he uh performs like a satanic ritual where like he strips naked he's praying to satan there's a pentagram on the ground she's tied to the wall and he ultimately slits her throat and drinks her blood and then I think it's after that scene that he kills himself, but I I don't I don't recall what his motivations were like were for killing himself. Like that's, that's we just kind of the scene came up and it was like, all right, time to go. And it's like, uh, oh okay. I mean, I'm I not think I tell you not to. No, no, for sure. And I think <laughs> that no, and thank you for because I'm I I was like I know other things happened in between, but I think I was so enraptured by the final ten minutes of the movie that I totally forgot yes. about anything that happened like prior to that, other than like the setup. But okay, that's right. He goes on a murder spree, but maybe it's like. I mean, because we've seen that in movies before, and it's usually always, like, you know, based on, like, <laughs> bullshit stuff. But, like, like mm-hmm. they have to hit a certain quota to the where they could be with Satan, you know? So maybe that... Right. Was, so I'm, I'm, my guess is that he, like, okay, these were the people oh. I needed to, to kill now. So uh, the time for me to go and be one with the devil. And so he does that. And so it's, like, all those happen. And then it's... And then it becomes this scene... It's shot like a Western. It's really strange of them like in the town, like tavern of them basically Mm -hmm. coming up to some guy, like the whole townspeople and like giving him money to go kill the farmer because they're fed up. You're the big, you're the biggest piece of shit in town. Yeah. Here, here, here's some money. Go, go, (laughs) go take care of it. Um, Meanwhile, it's his, is it, it's either, is it, his mother grandmother it's of some relation or somebody who cares about the farmer is just happens to be at the pub at that time like Mm -hmm. walking down the stairs which is also like suspicious of like i was like are are people really not paying attention to the fact that like the one person that this that likes this guy is just there um (laughs) you're all openly talking about murdering him (laughs) it's so strange so she hears that and she goes back and she goes mm-hmm. like you need to go like you need to go hide you need anywhere. to go to exile yeah. anywhere because they are coming to kill you and he's yeah. just like i got like i can't let my farm got shit to do i got shit to do can't <laughs> let my crops die can't do anything like that so i'm sorry i'm gonna do that um yeah. and you know sure as fate would have it he's back out on you know pushing his plow around and uh he gets uh, uh gets murdered brutally like like yeah. absolutely like i mean not the the hand version of like curb stop is basically what happens right. like he just did the guy just keeps smashing the dude's head punching yep. him punching him punching him until he's like pitchforks know, him yeah pitchforks him yeah that's right it's yep. he just leaves it there and then walks away and then yep. like they even go they're like did you take care of it yeah did you do anything with the body no nah. no he's he's still there (laughs) and he was very very cavalier about like cops aren't gonna do shit about it like everyone's in on it anyway so so. it doesn't matter um yeah and then uh that weird satan voodoo hex that uh that the priest put on him uh 
yeah. comes very much in handy in this situation uh, because he wakes up from the dead and pulls the pitchfork out of his gut and <laughs> starts walking immediately towards the house of the person who perpetrated the crimes. Mm. And then that's when we get the best sequence in this entire <laughs> movie oh, yeah. is that all of a sudden, like we don't see the farmer guy, but all of a sudden the, the, the guy who killed him is like sitting watching TV and he like, he sounds like he just has like the world's worst cramp, like stomach cramp at that moment. Oh, yeah. He's just like, Oh, like also that same, <laughs> like bad ADR sounding. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it fades. There's like a fade and we see the best, like little, little diy version of hell it's so it's so cute it, it, but i mean like <laughs> some legitimately like good disturbing imagery oh, that's in there as well it's horrific like all the like yeah. sort of demon creatures and they have like other extras being like pulled apart and limbs apart and uh you know like they're just all on these like torture like tables and being like and people are screaming and it's it's like and there's like there's like deadite lights that are yeah. in there there's like a guy there has like a bowl in his head who's like torturing people so and like there's even a voiceover that's talking about how like pain is is glorious and mm-hmm. you know it like uh you, like you'll feel pain like worse than even imaginable and they're like putting nails through people and shit and the um the, there's that guy who gets uh uh what's the movie i'm thinking of the uh, not tombstone uh, it's another western movie with kurt russell uh more recent with the cannibals um, oh bone tomahawk bone tomahawk yeah there's a guy that gets bone tomahawked oh it's um, our guy who gets bone tomahawked i yeah, believe it's awesome <laughs> yes it's good what well, it also reminded me and it's also you know fitting uh, i'm gonna tease our next episode here as we wind down it's also fitting because it reminds me a lot of hellraiser too because there's mm-hmm. the there's the chains that like inexplicably like through voodoo hell magic just just like wrap oh, around yeah. like legs and limbs and um whatnot yeah but yes. i said dead-eyed i meant to say cenobite oh cenobite like, oh, he's, yeah. got, he's got he's got the guy with the, the clacky teeth he's got that yes. kind of look going on he does he does look a lot like that cenobite you 100 percent call uh, unfortunately no cd throwing cenobite from hellraiser no. 3 uh but you know i think <laughs> but yeah yeah oh god yeah so it's like all these like limbs are torn apart and and it's like really like and it's bathed in red like there's like genuinely good like blood and and like gore effects mm. and then yes our main guy uh like the chains come through his legs my main guy i mean the the killer guy uh yeah and he they, they just keep pulling and they yeah they completely split him up from the crotch up and it's like oh yeah it's a really nasty but good like effect for what they had like i i yeah. There's a lot of ambition to the way they they shot this movie. Um, yeah, and now, I have a lot of respect for the fact that they are like we are on a shoestring budget, but all of that money is going to go into these effects looking as good as we can make them look. And I'm like, bravo, kudos. Yeah. Like, I regret I, I would not say that, switching the uh, this and boarding house between the good and the what because there's. It, I enjoyed this one more because I mean, like, even like when you're going into these kinds of movies that shot on video movies, like they're not going to have like deep characters or great actors or, or like even that, that strongest stories that are really going to keep you engaged throughout. They need to have a, a, a gimmick or a thing that they're going for that, that, you know, if they're shooting it for a like hundred bucks, they, they got to, you know, really stretch that budget. And this movie at least was just like, 
yeah, you know, we're going to tell some vignette stories that are going to be like not that great, that are going to be pretty, you know, uh, edgy, uh, not anything too special. But you're going to see some gross ass shit. And then you get the audience coming in there because we're curious to see that gross ass shit that you got. Yeah, absolutely. That's because why I'm here. we are super weirdos. And so we, we enjoy <laughs> this type of stuff. And it's totally cool. Um, you know, and. And they were really smart to make an anthology because it's like the stories mm-hmm. themselves, they're serviceable. They don't last right. longer than they need to. And I feel like Olaf Ittenbach here was probably smart enough to be like, neither of these stories would make a good feature. Like, or they, no. or like you'd end up like Sledgehammer where it's like, it can be too much padding through the movie. But yep. the fact that they're like, okay, these are about 40 to 45 minutes a piece, like perfect running time for these, yep. these shorts. Great. Um, so it's great. Um, and yeah, and it and it also has that sort of like, it it there's also that attempt for that like tales of the crypt, creep show, mm-hmm. EC comics mm-hmm. kind of like irony to these stories too. Like there's, I don't know if it's like totally successful, but it's got that element that like you know the best sort of anthologies have to it, especially in the second one where it's just like oh you reap what you sow essentially. Right. So, um, and so yeah, it's it's I it, it's a pretty impressive like little movie um like i said mm-hmm. it's not going to be for everybody because it's very gross Ooh. and very extreme like i i right, like yeah. it's it would turn some people off and i totally understand but like if you love horror movies and you're always looking for something different this is different um yeah for sure and if I, you're tired of watching the same horror movies every october and you're looking to branch out this uh this holiday season this might be your bag. I think so. And I, I, I have to look, uh, I, I kind of want to dive more into Olaf Ittenbach's films. He's done a bunch mm-hmm. and he's still making mm-hmm. movies to this day. What? I believe so. Yeah. But I, I, I think so. I got to double check, but, um, I'll do that as I'm, I'm sort of trying to wrap this up here. But I think that, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of ambition here for sure. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's uh, credit where credits do it's yeah i'm I'm not gonna take anything away from him like i said this is the most entertaining of the three movies and yeah i mean there's not much more that i can really say the the this is the perfect format for a movie of this ilk just make it make it gross make it shocking make a statement get in get out don't waste my time uh and i don't feel like the movie did no i don't think so at all and uh just to close that out yes he still has a couple movies that are in production apparently um his last couple movies were from 2017 so wow. uh Legend. yeah he's got a pretty long filmography this was his second movie he did a movie called black past uh which okay. was his first one and i'm looking at the uh image here and i'm going to guess that was also shot on video um, okay <laughs> he did a movie called i think it's called no reason um or maybe it's also called looks like there's probably an alternate title because I can't seem to find it on his IMDb, but I always, there's a label called Unearthed Films that I follow on Instagram, and I always seem to see, um, I always seem to see that one advertised, so mm-hmm. um, that's probably one I'll check out. I also think I saw it on Tubi. I think it's in my watch list on Tubi, so bless Tubi, the people oh, streaming oh, no. service. <laughs> coming, coming soon to a good, bad, but Oh, we'll you. figure it out. We'll figure it oh, out. Oh, no. Okay. Um, but uh, do you have any other thoughts on this uh, journey? I know it's not totally your bag, so I appreciate you diving into the muck, as always. Um, like, you know, so we, like you said, you tried to class up the joint last week with sort of a classical, <laughs> and I, I stunk it up. So uh, uh, I, I appreciate you going on this journey. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I appreciate the picks. I, the, like I said, the, this is not something that I would choose to throw on otherwise myself. However, it's it's good to sometimes go outside of your, your normal scope of what you would watch and just get uh, a little taste of, you know, what other people are watching and then to either either reaffirm your suspicions that you're on the right track and watching the things that you want to watch or sometimes you'll uncover little gems and i think that there was like bits and pieces of things here that intrigued me and i found interesting and maybe some stuff that i'll even try and incorporate in my own creative uh, endeavors as i go forward but i think i think pretty solidly this affirms that i i am not a uh, straight to video dirtbag not yet not yet. Uh, we'll give it time. Don't worry. When 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 I get you a copy of Fuck the Devil and Fuck the Devil Two: Return of the Fucker for Christmas, we'll we'll <laughs> you see. You got me. We'll see. <laughs> title alone has got me though. It's, I'm very intrigued with that. It's something. Also, those movies uh, are like thirty six minutes and forty minutes respectively. So yes, uh, yes. So there there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was fun. And uh, like I said, we we did a we did a classy episode, courtesy of your picks. We did a trashy episode, courtesy of me. And uh, by just the way the schedule works, it's technically my picks again uh, Mm -hmm. next week. And uh, we're going to meet somewhere in the middle between the classy and the trashy. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You're listening to this episode on October 7th. And as of today, there is a new Hellraiser movie out uh, that is on Hulu. It is directed by David Bruckner, who is a solid director uh, who worked on movies such as... um, the signal and southbound which are a couple solid anthologies as well as the night house from last year which is a mm-hmm. great great horror movie or at least mm-hmm. very solid horror movie um so that is out so we're going to be looking through the uh adaptations of clive barker's work uh since i guess clive barker had a pretty heavy uh uh, uh creative or at least like uh, uh what's the word like uh consultant hand in this new hellraiser so we're going to look back on some of the adaptations of clive barker's work next week so looking forward to that but in the meantime you can find all of our episodes on our website at thegoodbadwhat.com you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, anchor.fm google Podcasts, and many others you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the good bad what you can email us at the good the bad the what at gmail.com if you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website, and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost of running movies we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at THOChristo89 or on Letterboxd at C underscore THOM. You can follow me on Twitter at RyOlly, R-Y-O-L-L-I-E, or on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with Clive Barker Adaptations. Mm-hmm.